0: So this time we can start the question and answer session.
1: Dear Longpore, many thanks for constantly sharing the Dhamma with us. My question is, how to endure separation from loved ones? Apart from the five recollections, do you recommend any other way to really understand death as normal? Thank you very much. Celia from Peru.
0: Cool. So Venerable Ajahnarana answered that it's a, this is about a characteristic of nature that we practice contemplating. So we have old age, we have sickness, we have separation from the loved, and in the, in the end we all have to die, and that's normal, it's something that we chant every day. We chant this in order to wake up our hearts and minds, in order to not be heedless in order to do merit, to be heedful in doing merit. If we want to understand this more deeply, then we have to practice, to cultivate mindfulness, to bring our samadhi, our peace and collectedness, to being firmly established in the mind, then we can contemplate and see more clearly. Because nature is like that already, It's the nature of phenomena to arise, stay for a little while, and cease. That's normal. Like the breath, it arises, stays for a little while, and goes out. So we see that we are being separated from the body with every single breath. But this isn't something that we usually contemplate. So we have to contemplate to know it clearly that when we die, there'll be no breath anymore. So if we live to a hundred years, how many breaths do we have left? Do we breathe every day? So every single day, the number of breaths we have left reduces. So we should contemplate this all the time. If we have a hundred years, or if we're going to live to a hundred years, or usually people these days live to about 80. So we can think if we're going to live to 80, then given how old we are now, how many years are there left? And with each day that passes, that's one day left or one day less in our life. So we have to train and practice to cultivate mindfulness, cultivate samadhi, to make these qualities firmly established in the mind, in order to give rise to wisdom, to know clearly, in order to accept the truth of death, the truth of separation. In doing this, then clear knowledge can arise. For example, when I was practicing as a layperson, just like all of you, I was sitting in meditation, I was observing the five precepts, the eight precepts sometimes. One day I was listening to the Dhamma, contemplating what I was listening to. It was a teaching from Venerable Ajahn Chah a teaching about anatta, not self, and about samuti, or convention, to see that everything is just a convention. And the mind understood this teaching and was able to see liberation, to see liberation in all things. The mind was empty. So in this way, knowledge arose, insight arose. I saw clearly that we're all running towards death, This was a clear seeing in the mind. And looking at the world, it was like a house or a village that was on fire, and everyone was trying to run away. And if one were not to escape from that, then everyone will die there. So this was a clear seeing, this was a knowledge or jnana in the mind. That all conditioned formations, all our bodies are degrading and passing away. This is something that's very fearful, very scary. So one has to meditate to train the mind to see this clearly to give rise to wisdom.
1: Please advise how to help someone in para datu pajivika peta. Or, ghosts who live by receiving merit from others. Without people giving them merit, they live off of their own rotten blood and plasma. How can we help them to let go of all the attachments so they can have a good rebirth in a better and happier realm? Thanks. D from Singapore.
0: So this question is about a mind that's done some kind of unwholesome karma And then the fruit of that kama leads them to reborn in hell. And then from that state of hell, they go up to a better state, which is the state of a preta, a paradatu pajivika preta. And then in that state, they're able to receive merit. And they need a relative to dedicate merit to them. So there was a story from, that started 22 eons ago, in the time of Buddha, Busa, and at that time there was a king and someone who was a helper to that king, someone who helped the king with meritorious works, and the relatives gathered to do these acts of merit. But There were one group of relatives of that person who helped do these acts of merit that were heedless, and they would eat some of the food before the bhikkhu came to get the food. So they would take this food and eat it, they would do this often. So this is stealing. And so when they died, they were reborn in hell. And then after using up or burning up some of that kama, They were able to be born in a better state to the state of the paradatu pajivika preta And then in that state, they had to wait for a relative to dedicate merit to them. And there was no one dedicating merits to them yet because their relatives were devas at that time. And so they felt sad about this. They felt unhappy or neglected. So they went to the Buddha And the Buddha told that group of hungry ghosts or pretas that they needed to wait till the time of a future Buddha. And so in the time of Buddha Kakusandasa, then the pretas still had to wait until the time of our Buddha. And then their relative was born as King Bimbisara in the time of of our Buddha. And King Bimbisara did merit but he didn't dedicate that merit to his relatives. And these pretas had waited for a very long time already for the period of four Buddhas, and so they cried out with a loud sound. And so King bimbisara went to ask the Buddha about this, and the Buddha said, "Well, th- that sound that you heard was from your relatives that waited for such a long time for merit, but then you didn't dedicate the merit to them. So the Buddha had this loving kindness to answer and to help these preta relatives of King Bimbisara. And so after hearing this, then the king did dedicate merit to his relatives. And his relatives were able to change their state of existence from that of a hungry ghost to a better state where they had uh, good clothing and food and so on. And so they were able to immediately change their State to a better state and became free of that suffering. So, when we do merit, we have the loving kindness to dedicate that merit to any relatives. So, therefore, when we do merit, we should dedicate merit to all relatives, whether we can remember them or not. Uh, we dedicate that merit to all relatives. And then, if there are any relatives in the preta state, the hungry ghost state, they can improve their state of existence.
1: Ajahn, could you please comment on the following meditative experience? Thank you. From the mind's eye, one sees very bright, boundless light. The light was very bright, but not cool at all, just very soft and comfortable. One could not see any horizon from any direction it was boundless and limitless upon reflection I found it is not a place but a state no sound it is completely silent body disappeared but the subtle I remained one feels very blissful and peaceful when coming out from meditation the body feels very light and relaxed when one starts walking one feels like floating in the air upon reflection one realized all five senses were gone and virtually no hindrances except wondering where the body is there are three questions Uh, the first one is i wonder what is the state what should i do next and how do i contemplate gaining some insight and wisdom
0: So this state that you described this is a state of samadhi, the mind that's peaceful and collected. The mind that lacks samadhi is the mind that gets sent out following various phenomena, following the body, following feelings, following the sense of self, of me and mine, following various sense impressions. The mind that's gathered in peace and samadhi, the mind that's still and quiet, this is a state where the feeling of the body can disappear. We feel that we don't have the body anymore, or the body feels incredibly light, like we're sitting in the air. This is from a mind that's peaceful in samadhi, or state of collectedness. And sometimes uh, experience of light arises. Whether a lot or a little, depending on the state of samadhi that one is in, and this light arises. There is rapture, there is happiness, a feeling of fullness in the heart, and this is all about samadhi, related to samadhi, with rapture and happiness, pity and sukha. So when the energy of samadhi is even higher, then it gets into the states of jhana and arupa jhana the formless jhanas, like the ascetics would practice during the time of the Buddha, they would train like this. And this is a way to control the kilesas, to suppress the defilements, with the power of samadhi to suppress the defilements. And then at those times we feel like there's no five hindrances. And if we ask, well, where did the body go, or where is it? It doesn't go anywhere, it's in the same place that it was before these four elements. If we open our eyes, we'll see it sitting just where it was, where we left it. So the feeling that the body is gone is just a feeling. We don't feel the body, we feel empty. And the question of what should we do in this state? Well, you should meditate like this. This is a way to bring the mind to rest in samadhi, to rest in peace. Then, after the, the mind rests like this, then you contemplate to give rise to wisdom. Contemplate impermanent suffering and not-self. Contemplate all materiality and mentality as impermanent suffering and not-self to give rise to wisdom. So train like this. However this state of samadhi arose, then try to remember that and try to do it again. But don't want this state. Don't have desire for it to arise again. Because if you want to attain the same state again, this will be an obstacle to your samadhi. So may you make your mind relax and then at ease and realize that all these different states, these states arise, stay for a little while and cease. And that's normal. So see these states of happiness like this, they degrade. So what is there that you can take as a self and cling to as a self? So may you contemplate this and do this a lot.
1: If there is no self, what is it that is reincarnated? Anne Chang from Australia.
0: So that which is born, that which cycles through the cycle of birth and death of samsara, is the ignorance of the mind that clings to things as self. And so this is a type of energy that builds karma, makes kama of all different types. So these kilesas, when there's kilesa there, then the kilesas make kama, then there's the fruits of that kama, which then gives rise to more kilesa and more self. So there's kilesa, there's kama, the fruits of that kama. And then there's birth and death, cycling through birth and death. And if there's a good kama, then one is the minds born in a deva realm or brahma realm. Lower than that, there's a human realm. There's the animal realm, the hell realm, the asura realm. So this is being born and dying according to kama and the effects of kama that the kilesas build. So if there's a good sense of self, then one is born in a good place. And if there's a unwholesome sense of self, then one is born in a bad place. And so we see this takes the mind to be born and die, born and die. So when the Buddha awakened, he taught that we all are born and dying, born and dying in the cycle of samsara, the cause of that is ignorance, is delusion. He compared this to a house, that the house has its ridgepole, its primary pillar, and that that ridgepole is now broken, and all the rafters are snapped. They have no support. So this ignorance is the ridgepole. So we see that the kilesas are that which build the house but with the ridgepole snapped then the kilesas are not able to build again So therefore we see that the end of craving is nibbana this is knowing the dhamma and there's no more cycling through birth and death So we see that the self or sense of self is the ignorance in the mind and it's that ignorance in the mind that creates more birth and death, more birth and death. But in truth, in the truth of nature is there's no self there to be found. It's not self. They're just phenomena that arise, stay for a while and cease. So if we understand this, then we can reduce the amount of cycling through birth and death. If we see the Dhamma, then we'll at most, or sorry, we'll at least have no eighth life And if we attain to the Dhamma, then there'll be no birth and death again.
1: Dear Ajahn Anand, thank you for your guidance. When I do metta meditation, I send metta from self, then outwards to six directions and then to all directions. Can you guide me on how to send metta to all directions as I seem to be sending positive energy outwards like the rays of the sun? I am not sure if I am on the right track. I tend to get into samadhi, such as loss of breath, but in a calm state. Then I mindfully go back to sending metta when I realize that I am in samadhi. Am I doing it correctly? Thank you once again.
0: So this cultivation of metta, development of loving kindness... We send metta to ourselves first. We spread metta to ourselves and then to others, and spread loving kindness in all directions. We can think of this like the rays of the sun. That's correct. This brings our mind to peace and collectedness, even to the point where there's no breath to be felt. Body and mind feel very light. And when the mind's like this, this is the mind that's peaceful in samadhi. So the mind in samadhi like this, it still. So let it be still first. There's no need to spread metta at this point. Let the mind be still, and rest in that stillness, and build up its energy first. Then one can contemplate, or contemplate materiality and mentality as impermanent, stressful and not-self, to give rise to wisdom. So the mind's peaceful and samadhi and empty, the mind's pure, then one can do loving kindness again, to spread loving kindness, to give rise to wisdom, to spread loving kindness, to make the mind peaceful, then to contemplate. And when the mind starts to proliferate again, and spread loving kindness again, To all beings. So now we can continue to sit in meditation together.